We are going north. That's right. Tonight on the show, we are going to talk everything fishing north. All that and a bunch more on this edition of Tackle Shop Live. Hey, hey, Scott Lotkoff, Dave Richardson, what's up, man? The next day you called me Shell Renee, you what's going on? Mike Hayer. You came over and you Ken, what do you say, Ken? Jamie Johnson, how you guys doing? Greg Blake, well, how are you, pal? David Schottelmeyer, Andy Garrett, Jeff Riddle, Tammy Greenman, what do you say? How's everybody doing tonight? Mike Barr, how are you? Man, good to see everybody stopping in. JJ Outdoors, what's up, man? Love anything outdoors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a great show tonight. Um, last week we were going to do this show, but we had that great guest on uh, and had a really good time with him. Keith Howard, how are you? Terry Clouser, how you doing, buddy? Ed K, what's up, Ed K? Steve Hableave, how you doing? Yeah, we got a great, great show for you guys tonight. Um, we are going to be talking north fishing. The northern swing. The northern swing. Um, I don't know if anybody was watching the pre-tackle pre, uh, shop live, but George and I um, field many, many, many questions uh, from customers coming in here um, that are going up north. You know, what do I do? How do, you know... What am I looking for? I never went up there before. What, you know, some things that I should take. Uh, and, you know, we, we kind of we kind of got it down to a little cluster of things that you need to do, you need to look for, you need to fish, different techniques that, that, are, that apply to all that water. It's not just to one thing or one body of water. Or there might be a bait that's specific to one finger lake or a bait specific to... Uh, Lake Ontario or Thousand Islands or something, but mostly it's the techniques are pretty similar. So we're going to talk about that tonight, and we're going to narrow some of that down. And it'll be a good, you know, it'll be good because um, it'll it'll refresh us on some of these things that are working up there, you know, um, and and you know remind us as we go up there, hey, we got to remember to take this stuff, and we got to remember to to fish this way and look for this and that. So we'll get into that big time um, here in a little bit. Um. Uh, then we're going to go into some tackle tackle talk. We got some uh, some new baits we're going to talk about, uh, and some and and some other things we're going to go over. We're going to go over the the DC real quick too tonight, um, and refresh everybody on the DC reels and what they're all about and the casting of those and how great they are. We're going to review that a little bit, and then uh, a little bit of tournament talk. We uh, the the Lake Oneida Open started today. And Boy, did it ever. Yeah, and it was kind of why we were we brought this up now. The the northern swing is because the, you know the elite series is going up there, the opens are up there. All these tournaments now are going up and switching up to that that area up there. So you're going to be hearing about all this stuff. And we thought, you know, vacations for people and everything that you know goes up there, we get a lot of a lot of stuff. So we're going to we're going to bust into that, and that's why we why we brought the show on tonight. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Raymond Barton, how you doing? And 
uh, Dale, uh, Madria, how you? Uh, Lisa Lake, Mark, how you doing from Lisa Lake Fishing Club? Uh, Robert Donahue, yeah, recommendation for guides on the Finger Lakes and St. Lawrence River. Uh, we can talk about a few of those. We know a couple guys up there on the St. Lawrence and uh, and the Finger Lakes um, that you, you can you can call and talk to. Um, yeah, we love New York fishing, absolutely. Richie Hall, how you doing, pal? Um, first up, this weekend, uh, down on the Conowingo Pool, at the Conowingo Open Bass Tournament Series is is kicking off, or, or is in full swing now. The third tournament before the uh, summertime shutdown is this weekend, July 10th, 4.30 registration at, at Dorsey Park Ramp on the Conowingo Pool. Um, blast off at 5.30 and weigh in is at 2 p.m. Uh, $100 entry fee, just a good tournament to go to, 100 bucks per boat. You split it with your buddy, it's $50. You got a shot at winning, you know, $800, $900. So it's not a bad little little gig. $10 optional lunker pot, which I always tell people, get in it. Well, what, hey, it could be the only fish you catch. Up. I don't care what tournament you fish. Yeah. Any option to get into anything, get in it. Because, you know, and I always tell the famous story. Years and years and years ago, I was fishing a really big tournament. Uh, A lot of boats. I mean, it was like a couple hundred boats. And Lunker was like $2,500. Yeah. And, you know, I weighed my fish in. And the tournament director, if you can imagine this, I don't know. He just didn't like me that much. He was a... (laughs) He was he was on my he was on my case all day, from registration in the morning until weighing. And he goes, "Man, that's a nice fish, but it's not quite big enough." And here a guy had weighed in a fish that was one ounce bigger than mine, and, and Lunker was like twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, when they got done calculating the winners out, turns out that man didn't pay his ten dollar Lunker fee that day. He declined. <laughs> so guess what? For ten bucks. Yeah, he passed on twenty five hundred, and uh, I didn't have any problem putting it in my pocket. So always get in the lunker, and if there's an option pot, always get in the option pot. And a lot of people are always asking me and Mike and cameraman Nick and the SFT team, uh, what what's the option pot? What's an option pot? What's the option pot? Even when we have our Summer Slam tournament, we get asked about the option pot. Basically, an option pot is a side pot. So, it's 100% payback. You're basically, it's basically a bet. You're basically signing up. Uh, and generally speaking, it'll be paid out two or three spots. Never never do I see the option pot go deeper than three. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's 100% payback. So, if it's a three, if it's a three-spot payback, it's usually like 50, 30, 20. Yeah. So, you don't necessarily have to win the tournament. Yeah. To win the option, because a lot of times, again, guys don't people get don't get in the option. So, you know, if there's a lunker, if there's an option, I don't care what tournament you're fishing, do yourself a favor, yeah. sign up for it. One ounce could be worth $2,500. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So that's going on this weekend down at uh, Conowinga Pool. Uh, that's the third one of a seven-tournament circuit. Uh and, and, of course, me and Georgia, the uh, uh, Susquehanna Fish and Tackle, is a uh, uh, key sponsor in that, in that event. Um, 
Well, then they have, they have an, and then on uh, July 24th, a couple weeks later, there's a really neat tournament down there. Uh, same people are putting it on. It's a big bag, big bass bash. Pretty neat. It's um, based on big fish. You weigh in at four different periods during the day, and it's for that period. So if you have a four-pound lunker at first thing in the morning, you can go in, see if it's the big fish for that period. If it's a, it's a big fish that period, you get paid 200 bucks, but they're paying two checks for each period, first and second lunker. And on that body of water that time of the year? Yeah. I'm going to just tell you right now, if you fish that tournament and you got a two-pounder <laughs> a 14 inch smallmouth. you might want to run over to the boat ramp and weigh in just to check it <laughs> because uh things get a little squirrely down there you might be the winner so you know there's 12 payout periods which are i mean there's four payout periods two checks per period you might want to fill your gas tank too because so, you're be running back and forth to the scales a lot. yeah now once you weigh that fish you have to throw it back and you go out fishing but you can weigh a fish in every period if you want so I've fished a couple of these events over the years, and they're, you know, they're kind of fun. There's a social aspect to them. Um, you know, basically. Yeah, it's different. It's fun. Basically, you have the option to weigh in, you know, four times a day. So, you know, from a from an organization organizational standpoint of view, you know, you want to have your weigh bag ready. You want to have your, your whole fish care management thing ready. Yeah. Um, because it's going to be hot. Um, a lot of these tournaments, especially on this northern swing stuff, you know, you're dealing with smallmouth. You're bringing them up out of deeper water. Uh, if you're fishing these hourly-type tournaments, because they have them. I mean, every community seems to hold one. You know, you're going to want your game in, in order there as far as handling of the fish. Yeah. Because you're going to be handling these fish. You're going to be running into weigh-in. You know, you you want to you want to take really good care of these fish in a summertime event like this, and uh, I don't know, Nick on pre on pre uh, on pre tackle shop. Did you uh, do anything on fish care? Yes, I did. If they go on pre tackle shop uh, live, they can see we talked about the G, the G juice. We talked about the the non puncturing uh, clips, calling yeah. clips, calling clips. You know, and so on. And, and we talked a lot about ice. Yeah. You know, making sure you have a lot of ice with you. Big, big, big uh, thing in the summertime. You know, Mike, sometime during the show tonight, if you have a segment where we could segue into that a little bit, you know, I have a I have a very proven process that was taught to me by Gene Gilland, who was the conservation director for BASS. Um, laminated card, explained the process, went into it. It's very simple. Uh, process. It, it's only going to take a couple minutes to describe it. So, you know, if you get an opportunity, um, if you get an opportunity, Mike, to uh, to fit that in tonight, um, you know, seg- yeah. segue into that as smoothly as you can, and and to go along with uh, what Nick was talking about, I got a little, oh, I got sure. a little breakdown, real quick, little breakdown. That's very, very important for summertime tournament fishing. So, anyway, the Big Bass Bash is starting on July 24th. Now, what's really cool about this is he's going to have a kids' division, you know, where the, uh, if you want to bring your kid, um, you can go and you can fish it. You know, what's really cool, too, is if it gets, like, to a point where the kid doesn't want to fish anymore, you can weigh in three different times. Before, you know, oh, well, you know, 12 o'clock, we're ready to go home. We're leaving. 
you know, and you just go, and, and you and you had three opportunities to. And that, that's a really good idea, Mike. Cause yeah. If you have a small kid and it gets so brutal hot, yeah, yeah, you can take one of the periods off. And sure. Just be like, hey, sit in your truck. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go up here. We're gonna weigh this fish. We're gonna sit in the truck for a while and cool off, and maybe maybe whatever. Um, and then um, uh, husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, teams. There's gonna be a little separate thing for them. Uh, there's uh, some some you know like little gift cards and stuff that What's they're going to doing bringing like the house supercomputer down here to track all this. I stuff? don't know what he's doing. He's doing it. I don't know. I, I don't, don't want to be, Brian. I don't want to be in his shoes. He but. said he was bringing George. I don't know. <laughs> oh, he's not bringing yeah. me that. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but he's, he's going to do that. So it's a neat little thing. And, and, um, nice try. Something, cameraman something Nick. a little different. If you do Sounds have to me like cameraman, Nick just volunteered to go <laughs> run all the paperwork. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I'm not going to be around that day. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'll be down there. But it'll be, you know, you could take your kid. If you ever wanted to fish a tournament with your kid, this is a great one to do because if it gets ugly or whatever and you don't feel like doing the whole tournament, you just bail out whenever. But uh, lots of opportunity to win money. There's four, five, six, or seven different – or there's four different periods with two checks per period. So you got eight chances, and then the lunker, the final lunker over overall gets paid also. So you have the big fish for the whole – Thing, you're going to get a paycheck for that, too. Mm. So it's pretty cool. It's a good little deal. Something for you guys to consider um, with like, that. Like, uh, Brett kicked in here, and he he wants to know if he missed the beer sponsor for tonight. Oh. And, Brett, uh, you know, we went back to our roots tonight, Brett. Yeah. Um, with the original five-star. Yep, original five-star. Uh, and this is courtesy of uh, Real Perfection. Rod and Real Repair Service. Yeah. Um, they were kind enough to sponsor our show tonight with yeah. the original five-star beer, which we're partaking of a couple, of course. Yeah. yeah After well, a long day in the office. Yeah, you work all day long. You know, you know how it is. You sit down and you reflect on your great day you had at work and pr- production, you know, how much production you put out there. Sipping on a Miller Lite five-star and it's just, you know, just caps off the night. You know what I mean? Well, thanks to Real Perfection. Um, they're our go-to rod and reel repair shop. You know, we do a lot of rod and reel repair here at the store. We don't actually do any of it here at the store, let the truth be known. Yeah. So, uh, them boys pick up, deliver. Yep. Perfection is in the name. Yep. And, uh, you know, they were kind enough to uh, sponsor Tackle Shop Live tonight on the beverage department. Sure. Uh, so there you go, Brett. Kevin Carpenter, how are you doing, man? Good to see you. Brian Ward, thanks for checking Chuck in. We got Chuck Reif in the house. Chuck Reif, man, the man, the myth, the legend. He is always in there with us. Thank you, Chuck. Good seeing you. An A1 you. from day one. I was talking to your buddy here the other day, and uh, and uh, we got some good old stories we were telling again. He only has like three buddies, so you got to uh, be really specific. Doug Bachman, absolutely. You stop in. We're going to fix you up, and this show is going to go right along with your question there with the Seneca Lake and, and getting you all set up. Um, so, Kevin Geezy, how you doing? Good to see everybody. Thanks, everybody, for stopping in. Um, you know, this, this is something we love to do. We love doing Tackle Shop Live. Uh, and, and without you guys, we wouldn't do it, you know. And every, every time we sign on and we see all you guys on there and we see our numbers clicking up there every, every, uh, every Thursday night, we just love it and, it, and it keeps us motivated to do it. Um, but, you know, Make sure you go on our social media sites and show us a little love there and get some things going for us on that. Click that, and like and yeah, share. That, that really helps us. What do we got to do, cameraman Nick? Well, what we just came out with today is a contest. 
Ah. So if you go on our social media today, and this is going to be Facebook only, you will see it posted on TikTok, you will see it posted on Instagram and such, but you have to go on Facebook. There was a post uh, out there today about taking a picture while you're fishing with the SFT lid of your choice. And on the 14th, which is next Thursday, we are going to take one of those photos and we're going to select a winner. Yeah, and you're going to be posted up on the show. I believe it's called an image. An image. We're going to be posting that image up on the show. So, you you know, make sure it's a good picture of you because it's going to be seen by thousands and thousands of people. Millions. Yeah, millions. We're going to make you famous. Yeah, we're going to make you famous. So, uh, but there you go. What what are we giving away? A tackle pack or something? We didn't come up with it yet, but it's going to be something pretty cool. It's going to be a cool little prize. It's not going to be like a boat or anything, is it? George said he was going to get rid of his boat, right? <laughs> I'm not giving away like a, a new Phoenix or anything. Well, it'll be it'll not. be a nice tackle pack or something, <laughs> a rod. Maybe we can scrounge up a rod or a reel or something. Uh, but it'll be a nice. It's worth it. It's worth it. If you guys fishing the next this weekend and next week, uh, make sure you start snapping some pictures. If you snapping. have a picture, if you have a picture already, because a lot of guys wear our lids, you know, and taking pictures for a long time. I wear them on to church. Go ahead and use that picture. We just want to see them and. Uh, you know, that's something we're trying to do more more stuff like that, right, well, Nick? We want to get people involved because, you know, that's what we do here. Yeah. We want to get everybody involved. You guys did a really good job getting these lids that everybody likes. And yeah. now, if you can't, let's say you're you're from the south or whatever, and you can't get to the shop, go online. Yeah. They're online. What if you're from the north and you can't get to the shop? Go online. <laughs> what if you're from the west? <laughs> go online. Because <laughs> I shipped one to Texas, and that's uh, that's southwest. Well, that's pretty cool. I, you, you shipped one to Texas, so hopefully yeah. you get this really cool Texas image. Yeah. Now, see, what I would do for the guys in Texas that wear our hats, the way you can win this contest. Or you could be Tommy. You'd be Tommy1441 from South Carolina. Yeah, there you go. It. Yeah. But if I was from Texas, the way I would probably win is I would saddle up one of them longhorn bulls with a saddle, and I'd ride that bull into the lake, and I'd fish from the bull with the SFT hat on. Now, I'm telling you right now, that is a straight-up winner winner all day long. Instant winner. Now, if I was bodacious, Tom from get South bodacious. Carolina, if I was Tom from South Carolina, I'd have my hat on while I was wrestling a gator on Santee Cooper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, these are just these are what I'm looking for with a, fi- in a, in with a, a fishing contest. rod in one hand, making a cast. Yeah, that's this a, is what I'm looking for in a contest. <laughs> I'm just giving some uh, tips out there for the would-be winners: Be wrestling gators, yeah, riding Texas Longhorn bulls. Yep, those Ma- are some tips. Make it interesting. Tips. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, the big thing here is 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 you know we're trying to get you guys you know. Uh, uh, to get your friends and get you know so it spreads a little bit more and we and our on our social media so so and we're gonna make it fun while we do it. Yes. All right. Great. Connor, yes. Connor McLaughlin. What are you doing, man? Fish are wise to him. Oh, Fish actually fear him. I. Uh, <laughs> what you should do, Connor, is get a mask that looks just like Mike and wear it <laughs> to the lake, and then you'll be good. Yeah. Then he won't. It, <laughs> Yeah, then, then, hey, then you'll actually catch something. <laughs> Russell Fuller, how are you doing? Uh, so anyway, let's get on to this northern swing, and let's talk. What do you want to call those bass? Uh, I don't know, northern bass. Pretty late. Now. 
So like I said earlier, um, we field a boatload of questions in, in the shop here and on the telephone from, you know, families going on vacation and people going on vacation and where they want a vacation is up north on the Finger Lakes. Um, well, we also have a ton of tournament guys that are heading north, you know. Yeah. The northern, the northern Open's up on Oneida right now. Yeah. Um, the, the tournament world shifts north usually in July every year. Yeah. And a lot of guys traveling through stop in the shop. They might not be familiar up there. It might be their, you know, one of their first first attempts up there. And, you know, there's some differences. But it's it's every day guys are coming in from here on out, and they're just, you know, it's a lot of people. I'm under attack here, by the way. Uh, talking about, what's attacking you? Some kind of bug. <laughs> and and um, what's really cool about up north, and, and, and you know, and, and I think why so many people vacation up there uh, there's tons of Airbnbs on on the water. Airbnbs on all these lakes, these Finger Lakes, and they're very affordable. Um, and the fishing's easy for the most part for just catching fish, all kinds of species. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's not not just smallmouth and largemouth, but I mean, walleye fishing is fantastic on some of these Finger Lakes. Pike fishing is nuts on some of these some of these lakes, and uh, you got. Lake trout, you got, I mean, it just goes on and on. Panfish, uh, perch, I mean, yellow perch. It's like New York is known for yellow perch. I mean, hell, they have perch dinners on Friday nights that George loves to go to. I um, don't miss a perch dinner, bro. Yeah, we're up there on a Friday night, and we're going for perch dinner. Well, so you know, just saying. Um, so that's the big thing um, when it comes to, uh, you know, a lot of people going up there. But, but then the question comes, I've never been up there. What the hell do I do? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of confused. I hear about, you know, this and I hear about that. So I think what we want to do is jump into, you know, what these lakes are all about. And there, and there's, and I, I think George would agree with me. There's a ton of similarities in all of them. Now we're not going to talk about one specific lake um, because they're all pretty similar. You're going to fish them pretty, pretty similar. Uh, one might not have as many ledges and humps and stuff like that, or one might be more grassy than the other. But you basically fish them all the same with the same techniques, and there's certain things you do look for on these lakes. And then you bust the, bust the Pacific, specific lake down a little bit further, you know, on your own. But this stuff that we're going to give you is, is general knowledge, but with, a, with, with, you know, successful outcome. And that's where we where we really want to go. So first thing we want to talk about is the lakes themselves, George. What they're yeah, all about, well, and and you know what. Uh, you- there's a couple. There's a couple things, Mike. That that you know whether you fish up north for years or or you're new to the the north the north country. First of all, just about every lake you fish up there is a natural lake. Yeah, which is so 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 different from for, what, what what we all do for pretty much the rest of the U.S. Pretty much everywhere you fish is a man-made lake. Dams. So, and, and, and you know, most of our dams that create our lakes, you know, we tend to call them reservoirs because they generate power. Right. So there's a current aspect there. So, you know, these natural lakes, you know, they're dug out by glaciers, you know, many moons ago, and they tend to be very deep, mm-hmm. and they are... You know, there's obviously no uh, per se 
dam with turbines drawing water out of the lake. Uh, a lot of them are interconnected, though, interestingly, by the Erie Barge Canal system. Yeah. And there is current that is related to that canal system at various times of the year. For example, if one lake is abnormally high, you know, they'll run that water through that canal system, so there'll be a current factor there. Or um, moving if you're boats, fishing, little, some, some of the locks on there. If you're there. fishing near some of the locks, you, yeah. you have some current aspect there. But for the most part, right. uh, these are natural lakes. Um, current is primarily wind-driven current. Mm-hmm. Or maybe an uh, 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 incoming from maybe a storm or maybe a stream or a, Small tributary. Or a little tributary feeding in. Yeah. So, you know, that's the first big difference that you face when you go up north. The second big difference that you face, face when you go up north. I hope, in, in I, most, hope, I hope you say the right thing here. In most cases is water clarity. Clarity, exactly. You know, and you tend to, you tend to be... If you're new to that kind of fishing up there, you tend to be taken, taken, you know, a little bit aback by the clarity. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you've ever been on a lake, it's intimidating. Uh, yeah. cl- the clarity of the water is very intimidating. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you've ever been on Lake Erie or you know Lake Ontario or the Thousand Islands or the North End of Champlain, you know those are very clear bodies of water. Skinny Atlas, which is a Finger Lake. Very, very clear. Yeah. Now, not all of them. No. Not all of them. There's, there is also another interesting factor up north is tannic water. Mm-hmm. You know, so some bodies of water have like a tannic, like a clear brown tint to them, which is not too uncommon in the in the in the rest of the country. Yeah. But, but most that, of it, most factor, most of it, and and on most of these Finger Lakes, you're looking at. A clarity that's that's a lot more clear in what 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 you're fishing. Well, usually. and that clarity is going to affect your fishing also because a lot of these lakes are prone to algae blooms, you know, and 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 algae blooms tend to occur, you know, this time of the year, yeah, August, you know, July and August when it gets hot, yeah, there's a lot of nutrients in these waters, yeah, uh, in the form of like nitrogen, you know, not natural nutrients. But you know you got to have that putting green for a front yard. You know that that nitrogen is going to run into the to the to the system. Yeah. You know, so you'll get these you'll get these algae blooms, and you know that can be a deciding factor of where you fish on that body of water. So pay attention to your clarity. Pay attention to uh, lack of clarity on a, on a normally clear lake. Mm-hmm. Make your adjustments from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, another thing that that is interesting up north is the amount of vegetation and the types of vegetation. It, it, it's really uncanny how much vegetation are in some of these lakes, and I think the clarity of the water promotes that very well. And it's good. It's good vegetation. It's it's you got you got um, you got lily a lot of lily pads up north, uh, lily pad areas. You got reed grass growing along the banks. Um, you know, you have, and then you have your your different, uh, um, you know, your different aquatic grasses, your milfoils, and your hydrillas, and your your just all kinds of different grasses and stuff up there. But it's all good grass, eel grass beds, and and um, but it's uh, you know, it's it's incredible that the v- diversity of it. Well, but, but because first of all, be- because they're natural uh, lakes, though, George, there is that grass that grows on the bank that's playable. 
Well, it that, plays big time. But the most important grass up north is is coontail and milfoil. Mm. You know, there's there's vast beds of coontail and milfoil in quite a few of these lakes, and they are key, key players. You know, let's face it. We only have a short – when we travel north, Yeah. you know, if we don't live up there and we travel up north, we have a short period of time to make some moves, make some decisions, and get on some <clears throat> fish. There's Tammy, so, Tammy Greenman. Uh, she's from – she lives on uh, Cayuga Lake. And she said so far there's no blooms, which is kind of uh, kind of makes sense because it's been cooler, you know, and the water temperatures are cooler, so you don't have those crazy they're blooms coming. right away. But they're coming. They're yeah, coming. You get them every year. Yep. So that milfoil is a is a big player for you. So when you get up on whatever lake it is you're going to fish, you know, if you want to catch largemouth, um, and you'll catch smallmouth as well. But if you want to catch largemouth, you know. Run around, do a little recon, find some good milfoil beds. That's mm. a great starting spot there to break to break these lakes down. Some of them are pretty big. You get on Lake Champlain, that's a big lake. You uh, know, so you're gonna you're gonna want to fish. Uh, what I recommend on these big lakes is you know towing to a nearby ramp for an area. You know the other thing about these big lakes is wind. The wind blows up north. These lakes are big. They're wide open. What is that? I don't know, but that's fairly annoying. Hello? Nobody's home. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get that. That's kind of annoying. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, wind. So, you know, wind is a player. So, you know, and, and what I want to say about wind is, and, and this is all kind of getting back to picking an area to fish, you know, don't go on your bigger lakes like Oneida, uh, the Great Lakes, the St. Lawrence River, and particularly Lake Champlain. Don't go by the, what I will call the terrestrial weather report. Uh, by all means, <clears throat> Google up and research a marine forecast for the area of the lake where you're fishing because that that forecast is almost always different from the land forecast. These lakes are big. They kind of have their own weather pattern to them. Um, so... And you, George, need to, you need to know that. The guys this week at Oneida found that out. I, I seen a couple guys from the south. They came up looking at that, you know, basic weather pattern uh, forecast, and they learned the hard way when they got out in the water. Well, Oneida, yeah, yeah, Oneida Lake is uh, – <laughs> Oneida Lake's like – and I'm just going to round it off – 25 miles long, 5 miles wide, and it runs east-west. Yeah, prevailing and, winds. Yeah, the prevailing winds is pretty much not north-south. It's like, you know, northwest-southeast. So that wind's coming uh, slightly across and down that lake. And when you have a wide open body of water like that, or, you know, need, need I say, Lake Champlain, 135 miles long. Yeah. Uh, up to 10 miles wide with some islands in it. 
Uh, we don't have to talk about the Great Lakes. Oh, the St. Lawrence River. Uh, hello. You know, so, you know, wind is a major player in where you fish. But the beauty is New York yeah. loves fishermen. Yeah. There is boat ramps. There is. There's a everywhere. There's a there's a ton of boat ramps. Right. And you can bust out your 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 map and you can file them real easy. You can see which way the wind's blowing. And you can fish little corners, you know, little corners, little you know, one side of the lake might be calmer than the other. You might have to drive around to it. Uh, so a lot of them are very easy to drive around. There's roads that, that are real close to it, and, and you can jump on one of those one of those uh, uh, ramps and, and still salvage the day. Now, the other thing you yeah. can do, which we've done a lot of, and especially on some of the Finger Lakes, is we've jumped into the um, canals. And uh, the canal system up there, I know Steve, uh, Skeeter Steve, that works here at the, at the shop, he's a big fan of fishing the Erie Canal system up off of Cayuga. And... Yeah, he's saved many many fishing days. Even just recently, he was up there. Uh, at one day, the place just blew up horrible, and and everybody was like, "Ah, we're going to stay here and play poker." And he's like, "Well, hell, I didn't come up here to play poker." Yeah, he drove over to the canal and started smoking them up on the canal, and, and had a great day and salvaged a day of fishing. Um, you know, so there's a lot well, of a lot and, of things you can do. And that's an interesting thing about these bodies of water. No matter how big and intimidating they are. Uh, unless it's uh, Oneida, I mean, unless it's Ontario or Erie and you have the wrong wind direction, yeah. then, I, then I don't care. But, yeah, you have to go too far to get, uh, you, know, but. you know, no matter how bad it is, you can always fish somewhere. Again, we're traveling north. I mean, we had some fishermen stopping in the shop last week on their way to Oneida that had already driven like uh, uh, 12 hours just to get here. Yeah. And they still had another four and a half, five to go to get to the lake. So, I mean, you make a commitment of that nature or, you know, you're taking your family up there or you're going up to fish a club tournament. You, you want know, to fish. Usually you're, usually you're talking about three, four, five days max. You know, there's no, there's no, the beauty of it is you don't have to sit on the bench. You don't. Not, you up, not up there. I mean, Mike and I are. We famously fished in a hurricane one time up there. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and you know what? We launched in a river that wasn't even wide enough to get ugly. And, yeah. And other than... 40-mile-an-hour winds and rain sideways. six for, inches of rain, we had a ball. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Caught fish. You know what's interesting? So, we're getting further and further away from these maps. And I look behind your counter here, and you have all these maps. And a lot of them are to the lakes we're talking about. Yes. And, you know, Mike, you brought up a great point. George, um, you went off of it, too, is look for different ramps at different parts of the lake. But the other really good thing is if you're not in a tournament, think about this. So if you're in a tournament, you have to go to Oneida. That's where you have to go. Yeah. Champlain. Yeah. Whatever. But for the average person who just wants to go up north it's and catch fishing. a lot of fish and have a great time, Think about the lakes that are not being talked about all the time. Yeah. There's a lot of lakes up there Millions that are of. the perfect size, and even yeah. if it does get windy, you're going to be fine. And actually, the fish get less pressure anyway. So think about that. You can always fish, Nick. And, you know, speaking of paper maps, I mean, we have we have the greatest electronic mapping. I mean, can you imagine if Christopher Columbus had a Helix 10? <laughs> I mean, this whole game would be going down different. 
I mean, the Santa Maria would be right up in the Susquehanna. You know what I'm saying? But I, it's just awesome. But, you know. What the hell's the matter with him, man? Where's he come up with this shit? What are you talking about? Good Can stuff. you imagine if Christopher Columbus had a Helix 10? Well, he, he pro- with Lake Master? I don't know. It still looks flat on the screen. He'd be, so like, he'd be like, it could still fall off the edge of the. Wheel that Santa Maria <laughs> over to the east here a little bit. There's a show coming up. I want to get up on a Marin River. But, anyways, I digress. Um, I like to make an argument for the old school paper map. You know, fishing hotspots, uh, Gemco, okay? Gemco is a is a regional map company for us. You know, they're they're North Carolina, Maryland, you know, Delaware, you know, Delmarva. Okay, that uh, fishing hotspots covers a huge part of the country, and I like to make a an argument for that when it comes to going to like Oneida or Champlain. And what I like to do when I go up there to fish. Because uh, I'm not going up there on family vacation. The family's not even invited, as a matter of fact. I'm going up there to fish. Uh, I like to put that map out in, the, in, in our lodging. And I like to come back at the end of the day and make some notes on it about interesting things that I learned. Um, well, not only that, George, but, you, you know, everybody does have the electronic... Um, the mapping and stuff on their thing. They have to scroll through all that stuff. Look at this. You can pick the, you can, and this is where, where the legitimacy for me comes in. That's the whole entire lake. So you can very quickly see if it's windy, what side of the lake you can go to, where the ramps are very quickly. Uh, That's big. All this stuff, just without having to go out to your boat and scroll through everything. Before you move off that topic. Yeah. George, while Mike holds that, up for us can you just explain to viewers that don't know what you're talking about the wind and where you would go on that lake to yeah get away? so you know when you get that uh, marine forecast and it says you know north east yeah you know 25 mile an hour winds well the, the problem with this lake is it runs east and west where right. most lakes run north and south this way this one runs east and west, so if it's coming, uh, if it's coming from uh, here up at this end, you know, can you can you kind of point to that a little bit, George? Yeah, I'll hold it up and you can. Yeah, so you know, if your wind's coming this direction right here, okay, and you can literally do this with your paper map, you know, you can see you don't want to be over in here. You don't want to be over in here. You don't want to be down in here. That's a lot of open water. They call that the fetch. Those waves will build radically coming down through here. So you want to be up in this end. You want to be on this shore. And you can kind of see, you know, hey, if I, if, I, if, I, if I fish up in here, I'm good. If I fish up here in the river, I'm good. Man, that's an extreme condition, northeast at 25 knots. I mean... Well, you can I fish, can promise you this much. You're you going to have most whole north side too. You're going to have good. most of your boat ramps by yourself. And a lot of that okay. north, not that north side, you can kind of get in some of those protected areas. Yeah, if your wind's coming like this, okay, and you can look for your boat ramps. You know where you have your boat ramps. Like right here is a nice little boat ramp tucked away. You know you're going to be able to put your boat in there. You're going to be able to fish 
all this, all this, you know, it's particularly up in here. So, you know, the paper map is very, very useful for dealing with wind. Yep. It's also very useful for making a few key little notes. Uh, those of you who are young, you might not think it's important to make a few notes, but I, I assure you. <laughs> when you get when you get a little older, uh, you know, <laughs> down the road, uh, you're gonna try to remember something interesting. You're gonna on be a shoal. praying to God you had that thing tucked away and somewhere. The waypoint <laughs> is not going to explain it to you. It's gonna take you there. Yeah, but it's not going to explain it to you. So, you know, we, we have great little notes on some of our maps. Like, you know, um, the one that I like that I liked the best was we were fishing this one one lake and and uh, and. You know, you know, it was it was it was kind of certain situation that we kind of picked up on late in the in the in the in the weekend and didn't figure it out. We made notes on that certain situation and looked at that map and oh oh yeah, remember when it got like this and this happened and then we whacked them on that. You know, we got to remember that and that's been paying off for us for years on that late on that body of water. Um, certain temperatures, you might want to wait certain temperatures and, and areas you fish with temperatures, areas you fish with uh, wind, yeah. and, and you I, know, I, it's, it's I all literally good. I have a file in my, in my, uh, my Botel. I literally have a file of 30 or 40 maps of lakes I've fished all over the country, rivers I've fished all over the country with notes on them because – you know, the farther you travel, the the less you get back to that area. And those notes need to be made when they're fresh in your mind. You know, I fish the St. Lawrence River at least once a year, if not twice a year. And when I get home from those trips, if I discovered something that was really key, I'll make a note on there. And, yes, I have my waypoints. Um, and, of course, you know, yeah, that's that's important too. That's a whole nother but that little side note, of thing. You know, yeah. I actually years ago I was fishing what is now called a Toyota Series event on Champlain, and I was practicing for three or four days, and I had my map that had years of data written on it, tucked underneath the windshield of my boat, and it would never blow out of there. Well, this particular day, for some reason, it blew out of there. It might have been that I was doing eighty-five miles an hour down the highway. After a long day of practice, I don't know. But when I got back to my lodging and was cleaning up my boat, about an hour later, I realized that map was gone. I went out and drove that highway back and forth from exit to exit for an hour and lost. You've never found it? No, it's gone. If anybody lives up there uh, <laughs> from Plattsburgh to um, Marine Village area on the highway there, and you found an amazing detailed map with all kinds of notes on it several years ago. Uh, please return it. Christmas came early for somebody. <laughs> but the point is, I think the map is falling out of grace. I can tell by our sales on maps. We still sell a fair amount of the maps but it's way, way down from where it used to be. And, you know, interestingly, Fishing Hotspots was just sold again. Yeah. And, you know. It's bouncing around now because guys are getting away from them, and it's a mistake. They're only so viable with it's all a, this electronics. It's a huge mistake. I, I just think if you're going to a new body of water and you really want to break it down and look at it, a map by looking at it all at one time, um, 
and then making your notes and then getting onto your onto your unit and then uploading that information into your unit. But even still, you got to scroll through it all. You know, it's a pain in the neck, man. You can't look at it right. This thing, lay it out, man. Talk to your buddies. You're all talking around. Hey, this is what we're. It's just it's so so helpful. It's so relevant. The maps, uh, especially for these lakes up there, you know, shoals and looking to shoals and all that <coughs> kind of stuff. Very 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 important. Um, you know, Mike. So in the in the essence of time, because obviously we can talk for hours on this topic, but in the essence of time, um, those are some key points. Another key point is dealing with wind, and we're not going to go into the. A's and A's and B's and C's and D's of this. No, your boat, just, just your boat be, maintenance. You be know, super careful up make there. Make sure you're make sure you you take the time to tighten your motor bolts, your jack plate bolts, your through hull bolts. I can't even begin to tell you how many outboards I've seen strapped on back decks. It gets big and ugly. Well, and we're not, and, we're not, and I don't even want to go into no, rigging I, or running. No, that you don't. You don't want to go there. You know, we're but here's we're, the thing, we're, George. We're getting long on our show here. Here's we the thing, George. About half the stuff we want. to talk Yeah, but about. here's the thing. Just be careful up there. Know that big wa- these lakes are, are natural lakes, so they have shallow spots in them. Those, la- those waves get big. Just be careful running up there. If you're not comfortable running big water, don't do it. Just stay in the creeks and the arms and stuff like we explained, and you'll be just fine. So, now, you know, um, some of the nature of these lakes up here that you need to know about, you know, typically if you're from the Mid-Atlantic region, you know, your spawn series, your spawn season kicks on. Pretty hot and heavy, the end of April, the month of May, and maybe a little bit of spawn action in the first beginning early parts of June. Well, when you go up into the north country of, you know, upstate New York, for example, when your spawn ends is when their spawn begins. You know, their spawn season is primarily June. Yeah. The farther north you go, obviously, the later. And, you know, on the St. Lawrence River, it's not uncommon to find spawning fish in the middle of July. They're they're catching spawning fish up there right now. So, you know. No doubt. Get your calendar right. Because when it's spawn season up north, because the water's so clear, you're going to do a lot of sight fishing. You're going to do a lot of shallow water fishing. You know, you're going to rely on on suspending jerk baits, and you're going to rely on you know, shallow water techniques like a tube and a drop shot. Um, if you're going up a little later in the season, you know, know this. The beginning of the post-spawn season up there is some of the very best topwater fishing you'll encounter in your life. You know, when these fish come off the spawn and they get into that, that post-spawn kind of refeeding period, the topwater fishing can be spectacular. Um, and, and, you know, to be fair with conversation, Nick, we do tend to gravitate towards the smallmouth talk because kind of like pretty special place up there for smallmouth. Oh, the freaking largemouth fishing is <laughs> – I'm telling you, largemouth fishing <laughs> – listen, you're not going to catch a six-and-a-half, seven-pounder up there as quick. But the th- the three- to five-pound class is very – strong up there and and there is some great largemouth fishing to be had and and a lot of that is fun largemouth fishing where you're frogging you know where you're flipping jigs and reed banks and fishing uh, uh you know uh 
you know, weeds that are like flooded way back in there and the fish are spawning way back in these things. And you take your boat and the tulies are up over your head. Are they tall tulies or were they cattails? Both. Same, 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 same. So you got these big tall tulies and you're taking your boat like you're in Florida and you're going back in through there and you're flipping and you're frogging and you're pitching and you're catching three to five pound largemouth. It's like, it's, it's crazy. You know what they say, Nick? It don't suck. It doesn't. No, and it doesn't. And there's certain lakes up there that if, if you're targeting largemouth, you're just not going to win. No, right. But there's uh, lakes up there that if you don't target the largemouth, you're making a grave mistake. Yeah. And, and you really have to, to play that. Well, I, I'll tell you, if you're fishing a one-day club tournament, uh, you can make a pretty serious argument that you better be largemouth fishing. You know, and True. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to find out, like, day one of this uh, Northern Open on Oneida. It, it, Lunker was uh, – the Lunker of the tournament was a giant largemouth yeah, up there. Yeah, I think it's going to be real interesting to find out that, you know, these guys that have – I mean, the first three guys are all basically 20 pounds. I think it's going to be real interesting to find out that there's some big largemouth in the mix. Now, yeah. traditionally on multi-day tournaments, it doesn't carry. But, you know, if you and your buddies are up there for a club tournament or you're up there for a – you know, a, a little, a little couple extended day fishing vacation. I mean, as much as we love going up north to catch giant smallmouth, and I see, uh, I see William Clute on here, and my man, yeah, my man knows about catching lot giant smallmouth. I'll bet you he, uh, I'll bet you he ventures around for some of that largemouth fishing because it's literally phenomenal. Yeah. The frog bite, yeah, post spawn, take lots of frogs with you. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and it's and it's and so many times again in the shop here. And this is you know this is stuff that we we get to talk to these people about because then they come back after their trip and they explain, oh man, and show pictures and it's all you know cool. You get that feedback from, oh my gosh, that frog thing you were you were talking about. Oh, uh, you know, unbelievable. We went through all these frogs. It was great. It was unbelievable. So you see a lot of that stuff, um, and. You know, it's it's great practice for people who don't get a chance to do that kind of fishing a lot. It's different for people who don't get to do that type of fishing a lot. It's easy, you know. So northern fish in largemouth is is not talked about as much because it's you know you're going for big small. And that's a great point, Mike. Because if you don't have a lot of time, let's say you just have a long weekend or a weekend, it's much easier to target the largemouth because we all know what smallies like to do. Yeah. They move from one day to the next, one hour to the next. Yes, so. yeah, they're always roaming, they're always well, moving. Those largemouth get in those bays, and they get in those. They you do, know, and and they just stay there. They're they stay very there. reliable. Very reliable. You know, if I was if I was gonna kind of wrap it up in a in a in a uh, uh, put a bow on it, you know, as far as going up north largemouth fishing, uh, we talked about touring the lake and finding that good milfoil and coontail. Okay, we talked about pads. But technique-wise, you know, from post-spawn through early fall, you know, be well-equipped in your frog department. Be well-equipped with your buzz bait. Um, and the flipping game is spectacular. You know, uh, typically you're going to fish a little bit of a heavier weight you're going to find yourself, you know, your lightweight flipping rig is going to be like three-eighths, and you're going to go up to a half, a three-quarter 
in a lot of instances in that nice thick milfoil and coontail. It's a little deeper. It's it, it, you are fishing, you are flipping a little deeper, you know. So and you're going to be flipping a lot of creature style bait. You're going to be flipping, you know, the 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 sweet beaver style bait. You're going to be flipping the crawl style bait. Um, the other thing that you're going to be flipping up north for largemouth that you better be flipping up north for largemouth is the big jig. You know, the the jig weights up north, your lightweight jigs are a half ounce. Yep. And then you're going to go to a three-quarter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your colors are pretty typical, you know, green pumpkin, black and blue. But don't ever underestimate the power of solid black up north. Yeah. You know, um, I'd love that up one there. Of the, one of the... One of the longest-term, greatest regional pros that I know is the Dean of Bass Fishing. Pete Lusick. Pete Lusick. Uh, he is one of the best that ever played the game. And he told told me many times and, and saved my butt one time on a, on a tournament on Champlain, don't forget about a half to three-quarter ounce black-on-black jig. And I don't know what it is about that clear water and that black jig, but if that bite gets a little stingy, you get in that depth range that you found those fish. And a lot of times, to Mike's point, you're flipping a little deeper. You might be flipping six to eight foot of water. Which is a little, it's, it's a little different, and you have to get used to that. But, you know, um, this is also where you talk about the Senko. You know, the Senko is legendary on all these northern lakes. They absolutely love the Senko up there. You can't get enough Senkos. You'll never go up there without Senkos. You need the black Senko. And, and you need you, the black and, and blue Senko. And you'll fish a bigger Senko. You know, you go up uh, to a lot of these lakes. I know, like, for example, when I go to Lake Champlain, I probably fish the six-inch Senko more than I do anywhere else in the whole country uh, in those shallow pencil <clears> reeds and those shallow milfoil fields. Um, and you'll also fish your Sanko with a little bit of a heavier weight than you typically fish it anywhere else. Some of that has to do with wind. Some of that has to do with fall rate. Uh, William Clute's on here talking about mats up north that are in 10 foot of water. You know, yeah. late season mats can be deep up there. So, yeah. you know, that largemouth game... George, real quick, with those that, are some key things. With that flipping and pitching for the largemouth up there, we got the clear water. Mm-hmm. Are you using braid or are you using fluoro? Uh, that is a very good question, and it's and it's uh, it's yes. Yeah, both. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think I you know I typically think typically the braid, Mike. Yeah, you're gonna fish a fluoro leader. Yeah, yeah, and the fluoro, and it's 20, 20 fluoro and fifty to sixty five braid. It, these fish are not line shot, but you will run a leader on that on that braid. I was watching, you know, but at the same time, though, I was watching um, Greg Hackney win a tournament where he was 65 braid straight to the jig. Straight to the jig uh, on, on uh, that was Cayuga Lake, crystal clear water in that grass. You know, when you're in grass, Nick, it's different than... Very true. It's different than, than when you're open water, you know. When you're trying to drag open water and do that kind of stuff, then the braid, the leader, is, is important. But Very, very true. But there's, there's also, like, if that grass is more scattered, you know, not quite as thick as what those... Like, Hackney was fishing, you know, late summer up there, August, super thick grass. 
Yeah, and, and he was offshore, too. I yeah. mean, he was fishing a, a combination of a super shallow pattern. And I think he was all three-quarters jig that Oh, that, yeah, he was three-quarter hack attack all yeah. day long. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about colors up there. Just, just a limited su- supply of colors that would be, you know. On the largemouth side. Well, no, I'm talking, you know, just, you know, because, you know, for instance. Because um, there's a lot of colors that you're going to smallmouth fish no, with. No, I know that. But not I, a largemouth fish with. Yeah, but, you know, typically in Senkos and jigs, you know, you're going to fish the black, the black and blue. Green pumpkin. And green pumpkin. And you don't need any more. You really don't. You don't. You and, really don't. And, I, you know, keeping this simple like, like I wanted to, because you can go into depth on all this stuff. But keeping it simple. Yeah, well, and, I mean, you unless know, you want to have your boat bogged down to the point with No, you don't colors. need it up there. And and that's what I'm saying. You get up there to some of those, like, yeah, and somebody's going to say, well, man, I killed him one day on a, on a such and such, such. Well, yeah, you're going you're gonna to do that. But typically speaking, if you go up there with Senkos in black and blue, which is the 021 and the 020, which is black, and then the 297, which is green pumpkin. Now, you can mix that up with 912. You with the fancy numbers. Yeah, you can go to 912, which is the green pumpkin and watermelon. What do we call that black. one? Huh? What do we call that color? Green pumpkin and watermelon. The boss's bait. Oh, the boss's bait, right. Right. That was... Uh, um, Gary kept that Gar- to himself for a yeah, while. Yeah, that was his bait he didn't mess around with. But yeah. that's a great bait. So, if you do that... You're going to be fine up there. If you take a black and blue jig up there, Very a straight true. black jig up there, and a green pumpkin jig up there, and then matching trailers, whatever trailers you like, you know, you have to mess around with that, in those matching colors, you're going to be fine. Now, I've got an interesting um, sidebar to that, and it comes in the form of the swim jig. Now, for those of you who have not had a lot of success with the swim jig, when you go up north, you can experience the greatest swim jig fishing of all time. I'm talking about so much fun, you you just won't even come off the lake at the end of the day. The swim jig is very powerful up north, and, you know, to Mike's color description, the green pumpkin and the black and blue swim jig plays super strong, but don't sleep on white. And as far as the swim jig arena goes, Pack a few extras because Northern Pike. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> um, also, well, enjoy a nice swim hey, jig. Why, hey, since you went there, take extra tackle, period, because there's so many freaking pike up there. You're going to get bit off a lot, even on the Senkos, on the jigs, on all that stuff. And guys go up there, and, well, I'm going to go up there with a pack of black and blue Senkos or black Senkos. I'm good. Negative, Negative, Ghost Rider, because you're going to catch way more fish, right? Than you normally catch. Load, you know, load up on that stuff. You it, know, it, don't you know? You're driving a long ways up north. You're spending a lot of money on gas. You're spending a lot of money on lodging. It's do not skimp on Sankos. Do not skimp on swim jigs or swim jig trailers. Yeah, um, I've always found up north. I like to bulk that swim jig trailer up a little more. And here we are. Wanting to talk about smallmouth and just locked in on this largemouth fishing, and the reason for that is it's so good up there. It is so, and good. it's so under underestimated. And under, I hope under you're looked. taking notes because nobody's doing this. All this stuff we talked about so far, and now add the swim jig to that list. Yeah. Now I do back down a little bit, fellas, on the swim jig. I usually, for some reason, I'll drop it back to a fifteen floral. Um, because yeah. you're fishing a little more open water. A sparser grass, if you will. 
And I just seem to get a lot more bites on that 15 fluoro. And, you know, it's either going to be a white on white, a green pumpkin on green pumpkin, or a black and blue on black and blue. Um, mm. So that's yeah. where you need to – that's another, you know, what you need to do on the north on the largemouth. Now, to switch over to smallies. Now you're talking. And, and you know, really the smallmouth fishing in, in – in the great state of New York, upper, upper, upper New York. It's redonkulous. Is. Stupid. It's just insane. And, you know, they talk about Maine. They talk about, you know, all up and through there, how great that is. And it is, it is great fishing, but there's New York because I guess because of where it's at and the weather they get, they grow and, and the bait, the goby, (laughs) really the gobies, the size of the smallmouth you're going to catch in New York state is just, Second to none anywhere. They're they're huge fish. Well, those people out in the, in the Midwest. Well, region, I'm talking about might be pissing off some. Uh, no, they some, got they some got some Minnesotians and some Michiganders. They got some screwy stuff going on and over some there too. Wisconsiners. Yeah, they got some screwy stuff going Saginaw on over there with, with some big, big with giant uglies. But I'm telling you, if literally, you know, in the Finger Lakes in the north North Country fishing. In the Northeast, you, it's very, very hard to beat the smallmouth fishing anywhere. Um, so you got that. You you got that. And you're going to go Saint up Lawrence there, River. and you're going to go up there, and you're going to fish that the Saint Lawrence River, Lake Lake Ontario, Lake Erie, famous for six plus pound smallmouth. And Mike, you know it's interesting. You're you're talking about these linebacker size, you know, smallies. Yeah. And one of the reasons why they're getting that big is because of something you mentioned, the goby, the yeah. goby. And it's funny, you have the map of Oneida. Yeah. They're, they're at Oneida. Yeah. And they're saying that lake has really changed. It has. Because of the Gobies Gobi, are in there. And you're seeing a lot of bigger bass, but it also changed that lake, you know? Well, that lake, you know, when me and George started fishing, if you caught a four-pound smallmouth, it was it was like, holy crap, you caught a four-pound smallmouth. Because back then, you caught a lot of three to three-and-a-half-pound smallmouth. That was a big, that was considered a big bag was... 16 to 17 pounds was your big smallmouth bag back in those days. You know, that's that's 90s, you know, before they had these gobies. Now, all of a sudden, it's 20 pounds. It's 20, it's some, and it's getting to be 20-plus pounds in smallmouth. And these, they're, get, they're getting bigger. They're getting thicker. They're getting fatter. They're catching four-pounders all the time. And you, you, and you can see those bags at 20 pounds. It's going to be interesting, like George said, to see – what they actually caught in this uh, Oneida tournament, whether those first couple 20-pound bags were largemouth or smallmouth or a mix of what the, what it was. But it well, wouldn't, right su- now it wouldn't surprise a, me at all if it was smallmouth. Right now they're on about a 35 to 36-pound pace for the top 10 cut. Yeah. That's pretty freaking stout. So well, we'll see. I mean, we're if watch it, that hard tomorrow. It, it, you might see guys come in again with twenty pound bags. If it's smallmouth, it wouldn't surprise me. Largemouth, it would surprise me if they came in with two back to back twenty pound bags. But anyway, um, so the smallmouth fishing is really you know what everybody's excited about up there. And when people come into our store and they are trying to get ready and they and, and they want to go up, there's a few things we have to talk about. And um, what you know, number one thing that we talk about, and a lot of guys are like, I, I don't know anything about, is drop shotting. It's a it's a technique that is more popular now than it's ever been, um, but it's uh, 
still very, very uh, um, not so popular with a lot of people. You know, so a lot of people don't know and haven't fished it, believe it or not. There's a lot of people that just haven't fished it. But this is a place where you're going to go and you're going to drop shot and you're going to drop shot a lot and you're going to spend a lot of your time doing this. So it's real simple. Um, again, you're going to do – you keep it simple with the colors. You know, there's a few colors you got to get. There's a few things you got to do. But it's you're going to keep it simple. You're going you're to use a certain weight That's that's, you know – but up there, drop shotting, you, you're going to use a half-ounce weight sometimes. You may go to a three-quarter-ounce weight. We have a guy who sells uh, sells us all of our Garmin stuff. They drift that up around Messina up there by Will, Will Clute. They drift those seams up, those current seams, with one-ounce one ounce weights, you know, dragging the bottom in 30 feet of water. So... Uh, there's a bunch of different things you can do to catch these fish, but you can also keep it very simple. Three-eighths and half-ounce drop shot weights. Number one, one-o, um, drop shot hook, good split shot, drop shot style hook, and, uh, and then a few baits if you want to talk about some of those baits, Georgia. Oh, there's just so many of them. I mean... If you're just going up there with a handful of them. If, you're, if your bait, uh, you know, it's basically a worm-styled shape bait, you know, and I, I don't really have any here, but I do have, like, <clears throat> I do have a the new Spro Smalley uh, CJ Smasher, you know, so from that, from that small of a size, you know, basically a little worm-style bait. Yeah, the Berkeley Maxent flat Flatworm, which is famous up know. there. Uh, anything that looks like that. Yeah. You know, if you have a green pumpkin, if you have a black and some sort of a, you know, a, a clearer shad-looking color, like a green pumpkin shad color on a real sunny day, you know, you're fine. Yeah. Um, uh, or else you can just get totally bogged down on, on drop shot baits. There's just so many. I mean, here in the store, we carry like 30 different specific smallmouth drop shot baits. Yeah, so if you... In every color you can imagine. Yeah, if you you get a few of them, um, and, you know, the brownback flatworm, which is a very famous one up there, the black is very good for smallies up there. A lot of guys are throwing that leech-style bait or uh, a black flatworm or a black drop shot worm, green pumpkin and watermelon. You don't need to go crazy. That's it. Green pumpkin, watermelon... Um, you know, a brown back, which is basically brown with, with a white belly and, you know, a goby color. That's, that's all you need. You don't need to go crazy with it. And that's your drop shot and setup. And in the, but the other thing you got to worry about, Nick, and, and on all these northern lakes is a thing called a zebra mussel. Um, great, great thing that happened to a lot of those bodies of water was a zebra mussel for making the clarity so good. And really getting those fish to you know clean it, it got everything to grow very nicely, but you got to deal with the zebra mussels as they're like little razor blades. They're like little knife fighters down there with with switch blades and stuff. You know, tear your stuff up. So you know, there again, there again, your drop shot weights. You will go through a ton of drop shot weights up there. You know, yeah, that's you read our, my mind, Mike. Because yeah, I was just holding a pack of these here. You'll see them. Yeah, put them up there, Nick. That's a bulk pack. That's a bulk pack of drop shot weights. 
And why is the reason for that, Nick? Well, I learned this the hard way last year. And <laughs> I went up there, and I didn't have quite enough weights. And I didn't realize how many you go through. And you're going to need it. Just like you said. You then go tour- try to find them once you're up there. You can't find them. Well, you can't because once you're in a tournament up there, there's very few places to get tackle. And there's nothing like Susquehanna fishing tackle. No. So, it's like you and George said, it, you know, with the Sankos and everything. Make sure you have enough terminal tackle. Yeah. Because you're going to go through it. And you can't help it. Uh, you know, uh, Tom Mills brought that up and because and, he had the same kind of experience up there. You get up there and, you know, and the other problem with, with these weights that a lot of guys don't realize is the ones that you pinch your line in, which is what most of them are, they can get thrown off real easy when you're battling one of these big five-pound smallmouth. I mean, these fish fight like nothing you've ever, you've ever caught before. These are, you know, our, our friend... Uh, William Clute from up there, uh, uh, his guide service. Um, it's Mohawk Charters up there. It's it's just absolutely insane when people come off his boat. They're like, I, I never realized that these fish are that damn strong. They are superhuman up there, and they fight like crazy. So you're you know you're going to lose weights. They're going to they're going to pull. They're going to jump. They're going to dart. They're going to do this, and let, and weights are going to be are going to be lost and. There's no place to get stuff up there. There is. They have them up there. There's nice tackle shops up there, but they sell out. People, you know, especially when it's busy season, they'll sell out, and it's just there's no way of getting them in there all the time. So make sure you have enough of it. It's very, very important. And um, um, back, boys. same with hooks. Same with hooks. You know, the, the number ones and one O's, and, and, and I know guys that go all the way down to, to fours and, and, and that kind of stuff on their drop shot stuff. But it just, if you went with a number one and a number one Oh, that's going to cover you. You're going to be fine. Make sure you have a 25 pack of them along with you. Cause you're going to go through them. The pike are going to bite you off again in a drop shot situation. Believe it or not, there's a million pike at 20 feet in, in all these bodies of water. They love it down there, especially in July and August. And they will just clip your stuff off left and right. Um, so make sure you have enough weights for that. Yeah, so working from the outside in, you know, we started off with the with the drop shot. We talked about uh, how how vitally important your drop shot game has got to be on point. Okay, so we're talking about the baits of the drop shot. We're talking about the mechanics of the drop shot. So there are some like outlier baits um, for certain circumstances. Sometimes, believe it or not, the bite gets very specific. You know, the flatworm can carry you most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the the, ba- the specialty baits like the Spro, CJ Smasher, the X-Zone, um, you know, Slammer, which is legendary. Yep. Um, of course, we talked about And then, about of course, the, the flatworm. Talked about the flatworm and, and dozens of others. But... There are some outliers to this deep aspect here. And one of them is when you downsize. You know, we talked about the CJ Smalley s- Smasher from Spro and how, how small it is. You know, it's it's literally a very tiny, like, three-and-a-half-inch bait. And I'm going to put it up to another tiny bait. And when the bite gets kind of tough, which it does... These giant fish will feed on very small forage. They'll feed on small perch fry. They'll feed on small gobies. 
Um, and baits like this CJ Smasher, which is yet to be famous, but I feel it probably will be. And this bait right here, right here, which is a Hasdong Shad from Mega Bass, you know, this is where you need to require a smaller hook. You need to drop back down to a two or a four drop shot hook. And the other aspect of this drop shot game before, and I want to get all... You know what it's like, George? It's like sometimes you're eating chips and stuff, the big old chips, and it's like really good, you know, but you you don't want to deal with the big chip, you know, so you go to Caps Hot Fries, you know, little small, little Caps Hot Fries, popping them in there. You know what I'm saying? Some days it's just... (laughs) No? I have no idea what you're talking about, but but it sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sounds good. It's a good. It's a good uh, um, generalization. The other thing that we were getting at caps hot fries on these little baits and these little hooks. The other thing we're getting about on this drop shotting is the importance of the tackle. And you know you're going to want to have your your spinning rod loaded up with a lighter braid. You know, let's just say a ten pound braid, maybe up to a fifteen pound braid, and then you're going to run a big long leader. Okay, and we're not going to get all bogged down on this drop shot thing because. We've done drop shot shows yeah. and didn't have enough time. Yeah. And I got news for you. We're going to run out of time tonight, too. So yeah. working from the outside in on these smallies, the next two things that we're going to touch on here are critical. First, the Carolina rig. Do not underestimate the Carolina rig. And I'm not talking about, like, some kind of finesse Carolina rig. I'm talking about, you know, 15 to 20 pound fluorocarbon, three quarter to one ounce weight, a 15 fluorocarbon leader, and some 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 bait you might not be thinking about. There's only one you need, really. Well, there's two. There's only one I need. The six inch zoom lizard. That's not bad. Which you don't go north without that bait. It's not bad. Okay. What's the killer? And yeah, here we the, go. The if they get off that lizard, sun get the net. Another Zoom product, and I love the fact that we're going up north, and we're talking about a company based out of Georgia, <laughs> dominating the market, killing them on the Ultra Vibe Speed Crawl on the on the Ultra Vibe uh, Speed Crawl. That thing is legendary up there, and our boy. Uh, Greg De Palma has put that on a map up on that freaking place, man. He's caught some giant fish on that thing. Fantastic. And then the third thing that I would highly recommend you bring on your northern excursion for giant rod-destroying, rod-breaking smallmouth is a football jig. And I would highly recommend you drag a half to three-quarter ounce football jig, and it can be a finesse football jig or a full-size uh, up north. So you can see once again, Nick, that it's not a bunch of different, although you can go up there with a million different things, you don't need a bunch of different things. So guys are just getting into going up there. They can do it with, you know, yeah, it's a, it's several different techniques, but you can do it with that up there. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem that, that people have. 20 foot of water. Seems like a lot. Seems deep. And for most of us, when we think about 20 foot of water, it's like infinitely depth of water that is just like the abyss. But think about, let's put this in context, Nick. The length of your boat is what, 21 feet? Yep. All right. 
it's what three or four steps from one end to the other when you're when you're taking long strides. That's it. Huh? That's twenty-one feet of water. George and I have a twenty-one foot boat. I can almost hit him with a fishing rod when I'm casting. I can. So if you stand it up on end and you look at that, it's not that deep. <laughs> it's not twenty foot of water is really not that deep. It's it's a pers- it's a it's a persona in your head. It's something that you think about that it's like, oh my god, I'm in twenty foot of water. It's the it's it's the abyss. It's really not that deep. You have to get in your mind that twenty foot deep is like up here where we're at in here, in this area is our as is a ten foot of water. It's not that deep and there's a lot of times when you go north especially later in july and into august where you can't even catch fish in 20 foot of water that well you got to go out to 30 or 35 why do we go to new york for smallmouth george because there's so many of them and they're huge and they're huge huge and a lot of times these big five and six pound trophy fish which we're targeting are out Deeper than that 20 foot of water that we can kind of almost fish, but we're still like whacked out on. You have to go to 30. You have to go to 35. You have to go to 40. George called me up one time. He was fishing up on Lake uh, Erie up in Buffalo. Never fished there before. Him and my dad were fishing this giant tournament. And, and, I, and he called, or I called him because I had a question on uh, something tackle related business wise. And Did you want to know who made the. Maybe one minus or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you Bill Lewis did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and uh, that's right. That's right. And um, he was like, man, I said, well, I said, well, bro, how you guys doing, man? You, you catching them? He said, man, we're catching the hell out of fish. But three pounds, three and a half is, is like our, 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 our jam right now. And I'm like, well, I ain't going to do you nothing up there. I mean, three and a half pounders, that's... Oh, they're fun as hell, and you guys, they, oh, it was they fun. and they were having fun. They were catching 60, 80 fish a day up there, and I said, well, there's only one thing you can do, and he says, what? I said, you need to go deeper. You need to go deeper. I said, you know, and I think you were fishing 25 feet. We were fishing, we were fishing 20 to... 25. 20 to almost 30 feet of water. Yeah. And, you know, we went out and started graphing, and we found a nice little carved out, nice little drop off at like 33 to 35 yeah. It just kind of dropped off, and, I mean, it was just loaded so, with fish. So, you know what I mean? So, you move out, and those bigger fish or whatever reason, they, they're going deeper, they're going deeper, they're going deeper. George and I went up with our – we go up every year to, to the Thousand Islands with our Mega Bass uh, uh, crew, um, and, you know, we have a ball with those guys. It's really, really cool fishing. But one year we were up there, and it was like, are you kidding me? There wasn't anything living above 25 feet. Nothing. I mean, we couldn't even catch a perch below 25 feet. It was, it was unbelievable. But we were screwing around, and we were screwing around, and we got in this one spot, and it was one area, and... Um, you could see them on a hummingbird. You could see them. On, it was a 360. You Lots could see of them. them. We, we were like, well, let's see how deep we can catch one of these fish. And it was 76 feet at the deepest point. But we caught a fish at 74 feet. And that's no shit. We caught that thing. We brought it up. It was just a little, you know, they, were, they, were, they weren't big fish by no means, but because this the way the things were going. But some of the fish were nice. But we caught a ton of fish in that two-and-a-half to three-pound range right off this spot. And the deepest one we caught was 74 feet, and the shallowest one we caught was 55 feet. And you had to unhook them super fast. 
and shove and him torpedo in the water. Torpedo him down the water, and you'd see him get down there. Yeah, kick a few times and then go down. So you, can't, you couldn't be taking pictures and ladies and gentlemen, around. ladies and gentlemen, look at your boat. Look what eighteen foot is. Look what twenty foot is. It's not that far. Just add ten or fifteen feet. It's not even that deep. I mean, I mean, it's it's, it's really not. I got news for you, boys. Yeah, you have to they, get over it. They ain't all that deep. No, they aren't. But I here, got, before you go there I yet, got, George, I got some one news thing for you. Yeah, one thing though. Uh, and this is something that George just said. You know, when you catch those fish and you're bringing them up out of that deep water, there's a lot of care about you have to take on these fish. Now, uh, the fish in New York are old. Five pounder, Teenager. six pounder. They're older fish. So they, it took a long time for them to get there, and we want to protect those fish. So you have to learn how to fizz fish. You need to get fizzing needles, and you need to learn how to fizz fish because guess what we all want to do when we catch a six pounder? We want to take a picture of it. Well, and, and as soon as you hold that fish up, you can't you for, can't delay for a little period of time. That that fish is already up. You know, it's already, you fought it for a long time, and then. You held it up. That fish is already bloated up. You need to fizz that fish. So there's great videos on YouTube. What's that woman's name? Barb Barb. Elliott. Barb Elliott. Fantastic. Easy video. Simple technique to do this. A lot of your... Those fish are very docile and they're easy to do. A lot of your fish, if you catch them and get them right back in the water, you do not need to fizz them. But if you keep them for any length of time for a picture... You know, I notice when you just fight them for a long time. You know, if you want to take a picture of these big fish, you need to have your camera, your phone accessible and ready to go. You can't be like holding the can't be dinking fish around with these things, man. While your buddy's looking for his phone and, and a scale, you know, everybody wants I to scale weigh them. You know, do the do the resource a, a favor. Yeah, don't even just catch them and release them we, quickly. We love going up there to catch all these big fish. So we have to protect them. It's something you have to do. Use the 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 the, the grip gripper style uh, weigh weigh scales. Do not puncture gripper style. Weigh the fish. Take a nice picture. Fizz your fish and put them back in the water. He's gonna be fine. It's and it's be also fun. a great time. You know, it's a bad time when this happens. Is don't you know? Unless you're in a tournament, you have to keep your limit. Yeah. But if you're just out there for a fun day of fishing and you keep a limit so you can take pictures of all these fish at the end of the day, this yeah. is not the time to be doing that. Yeah, and if not, you're not just, in July you know, and if you're just catching and releasing these fish, you know, it's 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 very important to stress. You're probably not going to need to fizz them. If you're going to put them in a live well and they're deep fish, 30, 35 foot or deeper, you're going to have to fizz them. If you're screwing around, weighing them and picture taking them and, you know, Whatever else you're doing, you're probably going to have to fizz them. If you don't want to get in that scenario and you want to protect the resource, get them caught and get them released, and you'll see them. If if you, they if fight you like tor- hell, man. If you torpedo that fish down, you'll see him get down there a little bit. He's fighting like hell. And then he'll kick, and he gone. Yeah. He has to get down so far, and then all of a sudden it kind of bounces out Which enough. That's why you want to torpedo him a little bit. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, you chase him down. You get that fish back out of the water, and put him in your live well. Yeah. Put them in your live well. Get yourself ready. Let your live well run for a little bit. Put a little rejuvenate in there. Let that fish float around for a few minutes and then fizz them and then let them sit in your live well for a few minutes and then release them. It's amazing. They, but, they, but don't go into any of this without being prepared. Yeah, absolutely. Don't yeah. go into any of this without being prepared. But 
Now you can My favorite way to catch these big old bronze backs does not require fizzing or deep water. As a matter of fact, your boat might hit the bottom. I had a phenomenal day on Lake Erie with Bernie Schultz in a the last Elite Series event where they allowed co-anglers. And we hit about 10 rocks with the bottom of Bernie's Ranger. That's how shallow we were fishing. Uh, and we freaking smoked them. My three fish weighed over 15 pounds. My three fish limit weighed over 15 pounds. Um, so, you know, the shallow side of the smallmouth game... I'm going to run it. I'm going to run it for you real quick. I'm going to run it for you real quick. Big flats. Um, scattered rock. Or shoals coming up out of deeper water. Man, there's so well, many shoals. Well, yeah, they're everywhere. There's I mean, so many shoals up there. I mean, there. you know, they sell more lower units in the state of New York than they do in the rest of the country combined. <laughs> you know, and there's a reason for that. Absolutely. So, you know, I want you guys and gals to uh, follow the following recipe for phenomenal shallow water smallmouth beatdowns. Topwater fishing is best done in full sun. It's not usually that good on them beautiful overcast days. We're talking poppers. I'm not talking poppers. We're talking czar spooks. Super spooks. We're talking walking baits. We're talking the big SB-125. Yeah, but if you're going up there, you need a popper. You need the walking baits. And like like George says, they throw them big ones, uh, those real big topwaters too. But, you know, some kind of walking bait and some poppers. Yeah, well, you can bring all the poppers you want. Just keep them out of my tackle box because I'm throwing super spooks, not juniors. I'm throwing Evergreen SB-125s. I might downsize to a 105 once in a while. And that size of topwater. And I'm casting them a country mile on huge flats on sunny days. Yeah. With a little ripple I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And the other thing I'm doing is throwing a big, heavy spinnerbait. And I took this spinnerbait off of my... Off of my computer. I had this spinnerbait's been hanging on my computer for many years. And this is probably the greatest number one spinnerbait combination that I could ever throw. This was a this was a tournament fish spinnerbait on Sh- Lake Champlain. And it was from one of the greatest week of spinnerbait fishing I ever had in my life. And every time I go up north, chartreuse on chartreuse play- plays. Yeah. So when you go up north on spinnerbait, like it better towards the end of the end of the summer. All chartreuse, blades, skirt, uh, golden shiner, and spot remover. Those three spinnerbaits will carry you far. Yes, there are ninety nine other spinnerbait combinations that are world famous. I got one I call the big dog. He comes out to play under certain circumstance. He's so big, I throw him on a flipping stick. I mean, there's a time and a place for that. Uh, But there's an incredible amount of shallow, giant smallmouth. And I'll give you a prime example. Places like Lake Ontario 
and Lake Erie have a massive shallow smallmouth population. Places like all the Finger Lakes on the Shoals, Lake yes. Lake Champlain on the Shoals, but yeah, you gotta have a little wind. You will not catch these fish on flat, calm days on them shallow waters very often. Yep. And when you do, it's a magical day. Now, two other techniques and baits, which we've talked about on Tackle Shop Live, but we must speak of because we're putting together the shallow side of the of the northern swing smallmouth occasion, or equation, I'm sorry. The spy bait. And the hair jig. Uh, that, hair, and, that hair jig thing is is relatively new. And, 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 well, it's relatively new to Mike and I. It's it, it is. Um, it's relatively new to ninety percent of of smallmouth fishermen out but there. But we are learning rapidly that it has great yeah. drawing power on shallow fish. Mm-hmm. And you know the standard. I mean, uh, you can you can come in the shop here, or you can go to sfttackle.com and get a eighth ounce. VMC, Marabou hair jig, which is super high quality, or a Kalen's Marabou hair jig, which is super high quality, has the right kind of hook in it. You know, we talked about it on Tackle Shop Live. Put a little piece of that torn-up Sanko on the shank of the hook for weight. Put it on a long rod because you have got to cast it a long way. Super light line. Uh, yeah, a, a light braid. Six pound. A light six to eight pound leader. Yep. And six let it, pound, not eight pounds. Six. Let pound. it rip, and basically just wind it in like a swim bait. Most of the time. Yeah. The other bait that falls into this category up north, that is absolutely one of the greatest big fish baits ever, is a spy bait. Yeah. Uh, and there's all just kinds, just all kinds of spy baits on the market. I mean, you have every brand out there. You know, the good old-fashioned Duo Realis, the ones that made it famous, they had a phenomenal spy bait. Uh, it's a little confusing, but uh, don't overthink it. Again, light line, 8-pound fluorocarbon, long cast, slow, steady retrieve, nothing fancy. Um, fantastic. So, you know, the shallow window up there is going to be preferably a walking bait. Uh, several big spinner baits, and by big I mean the lightest spinner bait you're going to throw up there is half ounce. You don't need for smallmouth fishing up north. You don't even need anything. We talked up. about smallmouth smallmouth spinner bait in last last uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, and but and we didn't really go into the up north factor. But the, but the thing about it is, and reason number 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 two reason to have a big heavy one is the distance. Yeah. Cl- clearing the, clearing that long distance cast because it's shallow. Clear water. You got to get. You got to make those long casts. Yeah, I mean, I live personally. When I go up north, I live on a three quarter ounce spinner bait. Just like ninety nine percent of what I do is a three quarter ounce spinner yeah, bait. You can get it out of there. You can get it away from your boat. And I it, might that, downsize to a half ounce just that, because uh, that I like some can, hidden weight spinner baits with some smaller blades. But that cast and crash thing is 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 definitely living up up in the uh, shallow clear water of the Finger Lakes. So, all right. So I think. Question. Yeah. So, George, for the spy bait and the, the Malibu jig or the Marabou jig, is that the same rod you're using for both? Is this no, no, no. I mean, you can. I mean, you can. You absolutely can. I don't. I don't know. I don't. A, a true hair jig rod, you know, is a seven, 
six to seven ten rod you know literally super light it's a very very specialized technique it's something that it works fantastic and and it's it's really coming on strong we all have to learn it and and figure it out and we're we're even going to be uh these next couple of weeks we're going to be messing with it out here on the susquehanna river on some of our flats uh we just never really did it out here you know it was just a new technique and something new but up there, they love it. It absolutely plays. They've been doing it for years up there. Um, but you need specialized equipment for that. That's a very specialized technique. Light line, I mean, like, 10-pound braid is heavy, super heavy. You got to go light, 8-pound braid. You got to go 6-pound test leader. You got to go with that piece of... Uh, Senko on there is very, very important. you got to mess with the length of that to try to get that right so it adds as much weight as possible. Yeah, you just want to put it on the hook shank. And, and what it does, it flares out the, it flares out the uh, marabou also. It gives that nice bulky profile, and you got to be able to cast that 100 million miles. Spy bait is nice because you can, the tackle we have, we can fish it on. You know, a seven-foot seven foot medium action rod, you can, fish, you can fish it on that, you know. So... Uh, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind when you're when you're messing with some of these techniques. But um, so anyway, that's a condensed version of the northern swing. Yeah, we wanted to keep it simple. I mean, we I didn't want to get into all this crazy stuff because it's not that hard up there. And everybody that goes up there, you know, uh, they read all this stuff and they get confused. So you can keep it very simple. But go up there, have a good time, fish those lakes. It's unbelievable. Well, we tried to cover ex- a lot of turf tonight. The experiences not easy. It's experiences are really crazy good. So you know, um, you definitely want to uh, experience that. It's just it's so much fun. It really is. I mean, so we we co- I think we covered it really well. Um, you know, so if you and, and and as as always as always, people, you have questions. We have answers. Call here to shop. Stop in. Uh, email us. You know, whatever it takes, we'll get back with you. We'll we'll tell you what, you know, some of the things. We'll show you some of the things. And then we'll answer your questions to kind of clarify some of this information. And you can listen to this over and over again, too, to kind of pick up on some of the subtleties that you might, might have missed. Um, all right. So we're going to move on here. And we got some tackle we want to talk about. And this, this section is called Tackle Talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been waiting a long time. We've been told many, many ship dates. We've been told many, many other things, and we finally got them. The missile shaky headworm is here. Uh, what is What is this thing, George? What is it? We're so excited well, about this. I mean, I don't know that I'd necessarily call it a shaky head worm. That's one of the techniques. <laughs> it's called the magic worm. And it's a collaboration between missile baits and robo worm. Um, let me get one out of the bag here for you. So we kind of teased this a little while ago. Uh, our good friends at Missile sent us some sent us some samples, and, you know, we sort of teased it a little bit. But this is a built-in-the-robo-worm fashion. So those of you who are not, a f- uh, 
you know, aware of the robo worm style. They're basically hand poured worms. And and this section right here on the underside of the worm, this section from the head down to here, there's a high density of salt on the bottom of the worm. And the the reason they do that is to give you that salt content that the fish, you know, hold on to. But the rest of the worm is more buoyant because salt, salt's heavy and it kills that buoyancy of that worm, okay? So the worm style is um, a little different from, say, a, a robo worm, six-inch straight tail or a six-inch straight tail fat. It's a... Uh, it's sort of a hybrid between, say, a trick worm and a finesse worm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to Mike's uh, deal there, it's shaky head worm. Mm-hmm. It's a drop shot worm. Yep. It's a Nico rig worm. Yeah. It's a wacky rig worm. Um, all the above. Okay. It's done in that robo worm, tricolor. You know, laminate hand pour the style. Colors, the colors are just spectacular. This one here is called Green Pumpkin Money. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the colors are really really cool on this, and and this this no doubt is going to be a huge player in the in in the finesse worm. It's a primo market, worm for sure. It's a primo worm that you know you're obviously going to find the the missile pro staff relying on heavily. Passion Shad. Mm. Whoops. He down. Passion Shad gone. I got a little worm oil on me there. <laughs> how about how about June Bug Dawn? I like that. Nice June dark, Bug Dawn. Dark purples in there, man. That thing's sweet. And how about John's Juice? This is named after our our owner of Missile. You know, you can misinterpret some things here, but it's John's juice. You know, it's got the it's got that that chocolate Yeah. Morning dawn. Well combo. what's nice about it is I think it is morning dawn on top, but that chocolate really tames it down and it gives it that real rich, you know, uh color that you don't see. You know, you're always sometimes you want that that toned down pink. Yeah, that toned down morning dawn. How about that thing? It really does it. Does it nice? Missile morning. Yeah, that's. Does that have red flake in it? Oh my god! Does that have red flake in it? Ah, uh, it so, does have some fine red flake in it. Yeah, that's what everybody wants right okay. there. So that worm there might might or might not catch you a few fish. I don't know. You have to check it out. You know, blueback secret PBJ time. Tons Watermelon Violet. What's that one? Lava that? Crusher. Yeah. Show them that. Uh... Lava Crusher. Yeah. Look at this thing. When you want to be noticed in a crowd, we recommend Lava Crusher. <laughs> so it's basically a desert orange themed uh, combination with like a, a, a old school red. Very, very nice. And how about 
Bruiser Flash. Now, you know, if you're a Missile Bates fan, if you don't have you some deep bombs and Bruiser Flash, we're going to have to ask you to exit the show here because, I mean, that is like, that's as American as uh, $3,000 worth of fireworks and two cases of Miller Lite on the 4th of July. I mean, I'm just, t- I'm just here to tell you that right now. If, if, you, ain't, if you ain't at that level. Uh, so, yeah, Missile Bates... Collab with Robo Worm, the magic worm from the mind of John Cruz and his pro staff and employees. He's got some hardcore, I mean, Bassin employees that work there. I'm talking Definitely. guys that are behind the scenes. They, that are, are, they are really, really bass heads, man. Just, just hammer time. Yep. And here's another worm. It's got a price point of $10.99. It's a little pricey. It's a little pricey, I'm not going to lie to you. But it's a premium quality bait. And let's go. They're in stock. Heavy. We got heavy artillery in stock. And, uh, you know, it's finesse worm season. Let's face it. I mean, you can drop shot, wacky rig, Nico rig, shaky head rig. Now we're going to talk about so the, the the somewhat confusing and misunderstood world of DC reels. Yeah. Um, so for I think I I wanted to bring this up and I and I, and I talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, is DC's we we the stock is starting to come back a little bit. Uh, so you're going to be able to find them pretty much readily available now. And the the reason we have to bring this back is because we lost some of that. Uh, understanding of what DC is all about. Um, Shimano comes out, came out with the SLX DC and the Corrado DC. These are the two reels that are kind of leading the way. Everybody knows the Corrado as being, um, you know, a time-tested machine that you can fish and have and perform at optimal levels for a great price. Um, and the SLX is a, is a, is a, even a better priced reel on the market. Um, you know, very affordable for a lot of people. And then they, they, and then they pushed it, uh, through with, um, DC in it. The sweet thing about these reels is the DC mechanism is the same on both of them. The SLX and the Corrado have the same DC mechanism. Uh, the reason you would go to the Corrado is for durability, longevity. You know, they have some, some updated features. They have the micromodular gearing. They have the bigger drag system. Um, lighter know, spool. The lighter spool for better for even better casting. Aluminum side plates A and B. Aluminum side plates A and B. So there you have it. But it's the same exact uh, cask- casting control system in the SLX as the um, the Corrado. They're really hard <clears throat> to tell apart on the cast. Yeah, I mean, we we and George have one of each of them, and we fished we fish them both all the they're, time. They're very hard and to tell apart. When, on the when cast. you cast them, it is it's the cast is miraculous. Now the problem that happened is when they first brought these out in 2020, I believe it was at ICAST. No, it was before that. 20, 2019. At least, if yeah. not 2018. I don't think it was that, that long ago. Was they sold it wrong. They sold it as a anti-backlash mechanism. 
and it and it does very well with that. Don't get me wrong, it, and it, and it has a very easy way to to adjust it. But you you know there is a little bit you have to kind of mess with a little bit to get these reels to cast perfectly, and you have to get used to casting them. Once you just know that you're casting a, a, a DC reel and you get to that nice smooth, nice smooth casting. It's not an overpowering thing. It's nothing about power. It's just a nice smooth cast, letting the lure and the rod load up and throw it, throw the lure out there. You you can't beat the DC casting system for distance and for accuracy. You absolutely can't beat the, the DC casting system. There's great, other companies have great casting systems too, but this one here, nobody hands down can beat the distance well, and accuracy. But there is some setup concerns, um, and there is that, to Mike's kind of, what he's leading us to say is, you know, you have to cast the reel correctly. Yeah. I don't care whose bait caster you throw, the DC, the the Tatula SV, the whatever. Pick 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 an Antares out of the case over here, whatever. If you don't cast correctly, if you don't load the rod and unload the rod with a correct action, you're going to have problems. So DC Assuming that you cast correctly, DC is absolutely phenomenal. And it does cover up. It does cover up a lot of flaws, and I think it makes you better because you gain more confidence in your casting ability if you're novice. Because it, it does a very basically what you have is an electric controlled magnetic system that pulses the spool roughly a 1,000 times a second, at four preset levels. So number one is your pitching setting. And that's basically for not loading up the rod, not launching the bait. It's for underhand pitching where you want a minimal amount of braking yeah. so that you can get a fast, a fast lure speed for a low trajectory and for some distance. Where you're going to live on this reel is two and three. Yeah, I think you spend a lot of time in, uh, on those. You're going to live on two and three. Two's a little quicker than three. Um, and I, they, they call one floor carbon and one braid. Two whatever. is your, two is your floor. It, it, two is your braid setting, and three is your floor carbon setting. I just know that I go back and forth between two and three. If I'm throwing a a bait into a wind, and I'm getting a little bit of fluff on two. I bang it up to three. But there's times when you're on three and your bait will cast better on two and you'll actually have less of a chance of a fluff. I'm not even using the word backlash here. I'm talking about loose line. Uh, And don't forget, as with all casting reels, a little thumb monitoring is required for optimal performance. But here's the whole secret, Mike, to the setup. So when you get your beautiful Corrado home, DC, you take it out of the package and you're sitting on the couch and you're like, oh, Billy, 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 Billy. First thing you're going to do is you're going to kind of back this knob off your cast control and you want to feel just a little bit of spool movement. So if you back that up, you can kind of feel that spool moving Left and right. That means that this cast control cap is not touching the axle on the spool. 
And then slowly tighten that up as you move that spool left and right. And when that goes away, you basically don't have a lot of use for this anymore. Now, is that to say that you can't add a little bit of cast control? Certainly you can. Don't be afraid to experiment with that. But the reel's designed for minimal cast control. As a matter of fact, if this body wasn't being used for a regular Corrado, and this was a standalone reel, it probably wouldn't even have a cast control on it, to be truthful. And then, one, two, three, four. It's as simple as one, two, three, four. Four, by the way, is the skipping feature. So it's max braking. It's really good for skipping. Yeah, you can skip. You can you can learn how to skip with it very easily. It's also really good for blasting a lighter weight lure into a heavy wind. Yep. And that yeah. is DC demystified. Yeah. So the uh, and um, you know I know a lot of guys have been looking for DCs. There, there's there's a good stock of them in our store right now. And then finally, we also have left-handed versions for you guys that were dying to get your left-handed versions. We have uh, Corrado. Uh, DC in um, left hand. Oh, and we got plenty of them. Yeah, we got we got lots of them. So we became the DC outlet store for yep. the United States of America. Yeah, we got a bunch of them, so they're available. So you have that uh, that you can check out, and you can get online and order them up. So you got that going for you. So you got that going for you. Okay, All right, Mike, wrap this puppy up. Um. Any questions on any of that uh, stuff we discussed tonight, make sure you give us a call. Don't forget to get on our our uh, social media with your picture of your hat, with a picture of you holding a fish or any type of uh, fishing uh, picture. We don't care. We'll take it. Hope uh, holding a fish would be um, would be great. But we don't. We, it, we we're not. We're going to judge the picture. We're not judging the, the content. We're judging the picture. So, um, we'll check that all out. Um, like, subscribe to all of our social media. Love it. William Clute, thank you so much. Joseph Castorino, thank you for all the great, great comments throughout this whole thing. His Rob- mother calls him Joseph. He prefers uh, Joe. Robert uh, Bretts, thank you for great comments. Brian Ward, thanks for stopping by. Don Swaggart, watching from California. Glad to see you. you're in California. I don't know why you want to be in California, but great be for you. Be careful out there, Don. Yep. Johnny Cop, good to see you, bud. Uh, you know, everybody who stopped in tonight, thank you so much. And for all of us here at Tackle Shop Live, we'll see you next time. And great fishing. my breath away a young and pretty was it just a dream the next day you called me up you told me i'm your little buttercup you came over and you fell into my arms well i know what i feel please tell